We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, recording this at 7.07 p.m. on Sunday night. Hopefully, by the time you hear this, there will still be NBA basketball in store for us in the coming days, weeks. Uh, actually, I'm getting ambitious. Hours. Let's go with hours for right now. Um, joining me, as he always does, my co-host, my, my better half, um, Someone who I just found out has not seen Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars, no, because we were just talking about Star Wars. Someone who has not yet seen Spider Man: No Way Home yet. So please don't spoil it for him if you're listening to this, Jeremy Cohen. I feel like people are going to go out of their way now to send spoilers because of that. But yes, I I will be seeing it Monday night, and I'm really excited. People seem to love it, so that should be a lot of fun. I will just say that. It was the high point of my weekend. And if I'm being honest, it was the high point of several weeks in a row because I have not been to the movies in a while. And the, the, the large, larger portion of my consumption of, uh, of any kind of like anything is, has been Nick's basketball, which has not been as fun. Um, although Hawkeye has been entertaining. I'll say that. I, I did enjoy it. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you're, you're through your current. Okay. I, I am current. I okay. actually, I hadn't seen any of it before this weekend. I will say, and I, I don't, I don't think it's going to give anything away for people who are still catching up, but well, actually is it in the, the thing that happens in the bathroom in the episode five, is that giving anything away? I just, I guess what I'll say is I really liked the vantage point of what that gave, because I always wondered what is it like from that perspective? And we finally got to see it. Yes. And yes, that yes, was yes, yes, awesome. Yes. Um, yeah, no, that, I, you know, I thought that in the moment and I haven't returned back to that thought. Thank you for pointing that out because I really enjoyed that as well. Um, I would love to sit here and talk about Hawkeye, about Spider-Man, about, I don't know, 
Christmas shopping, which I fucking hate. All of these things at this point are probably preferable to discussing the Knicks, which, hey there, listener, thanks for tuning in to two people who just we can't wait to talk about this topic. Um, we may not have a choice. We might actually begin to talk about some of those topics, the way things are trending. So stay tuned. Well, if that's what you want, people. Do you want do you want to? Well, that is the right place. So for anybody who, who may not have um, paid attention to the NBA news cycle, I mean, I feel like it came to a head. I felt like it started coming to a head on Friday. When were we getting all of the tweets? Friday? It's all running together now. Where of like Thursday? I mean, it was okay. It started towards the end of last week in terms of like the this um, these five players have entered protocols, and then these three players from this team have entered protocols, and then obviously with the Knicks, it's been more one at a time. We'll get into that, obviously. But Sunday was the day where it was like, okay, we're 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 postponing these games or we're suspending these games. Or we're canceling these, whatever it is. Games are, are not being played when they're supposed to be played. And like multiple days in advance as well, because teams are so decimated. Um, I, it seems like Woj's report that the NBA and the players, whatever, and this and the other are going to meet to like figure out how to make this sustainable um, is a signal that like, we don't give a fuck if you fan at home have to put on the uniform and play. We're not canceling. We're like, we're playing this season out. Um, do you agree with that? I don't know. You know, this is my life, right? My life has basically been being at home, going to a Knicks game every now and then going to the gym. Uh, that's pretty much it. Like that's the extent of my life. And then it's been covering these games and watching them and enjoying them. And so selfishly, I love the fact that there's something to keep me entertained, even if things are bad, which I they have co- been. I completely agree. I, I'd right. rather have Knicks basketball than not have Knicks basketball. Exactly. And yet on the other hand, the human element of me is like, look at these people who have to subject themselves to conditions that are just not entirely safe. Maybe they're feeling all right. Maybe they're not. Hopefully they're all feeling great. Um, it's just the sort of thing where it's a conflict because why should my interests for entertainment conflict with that of people who may fear that their families or they themselves are, are not doing so great or, or, or put their health is put in jeopardy. So it's very awkward. Personally, I feel like there's a conflict that I deal with. Maybe others are different. Maybe they're the same. Regardless, based on how I'm feeling, I'm hoping obviously that things can progress, but based on what we're seeing, I just I don't know if, how possible that is, how feasible it is. And, you know, like if they, if they shut everything down, then I, I kind of liked what they did last year, which was let's release the first half and then let's add time. And then yeah. we can add yeah. the second half of the schedule and reincorporate it that way. But this year, I mean, they just didn't, I guess, take other variants into account. And I, I, I don't know if shutting it down, I'm not, I'm not an epidemiologist, uh, scientist, any of that sort. So my question really in general, you could pull it is, off. Though. Thank you. Uh, if shutting things down will then lead to I, better life in four to six weeks. What does I it mean, mean, I don't know. It's in the hands of people who are much smarter and much more informed than I am. That, that, that's what I say, but let's, let's just be again, not that anybody needs to hear this, but there's a lot of cash at, uh, at, uh, um, at stake for both parties here. It's not like the players are doing some, like, if anybody was losing out, like by doing the one thing as opposed to the other thing financially, then there would be, I think more of a, we'd be hearing, you know, more about it. Um, but they, you know, they want to trudge forward because as you stated, it's entertainment for you. 
and it's entertainment for millions of people out there. And that, that means money. And, um, you know, that means I think they're going to probably keep playing these games, um, including the Knicks who were down to, um, like, let's transition to that. Who were down to, so for anybody wondering, you need to have fewer than eight healthy players in order to have your game, whatever it is, canceled, postponed. And the Knicks had eight healthy players. Um, they had the, obviously the starting five and then the two backup centers and then Wayne Selden. And then they signed Tyler Hall. The question that I was trying to do some research on today, and I don't know if you have an answer because I certainly don't, is like, is there a, t- cause like they signed Tyler Hall f- before the Boston game. So is it like, well, if you have fewer than eight healthy players four hours before tip off and it's not fair to expect you to sign someone else, then your game will be postponed. But if you have seven healthy players 36 hours before, the expectation is that you will then sign someone to the to the heart is that is that your understanding too because that's mine at this point i don't even really know the league feels like it's, <laughs> it's really open its own rules <laughs> like, I, 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 that's the thing if like if they had eight and then it turned to seven and they still had tyler hall and he's in route i mean does he have enough time to it, the, clear yeah. a test do all if he's in a cab if he's right. on a plane <laughs> <laughs> no so it's all just I, I feel like it's all being made up as they go along in some ways, but that is the reason why a team like the Nets gets their games postponed, whereas the Knicks don't. It's because the Nets just didn't have healthy bodies. And at a certain point, the league just said, all right. And I think another factor here is that there is a G League event going on in Las Vegas. Yeah. Where a lot of players who are auditioning to be signed by teams are preparing and, and going to play there. So the logistics of them having to get those players elsewhere is a nightmare in itself. So yeah. The whole thing is just one giant hellhole. And, and it's coming a week before Christmas, exactly. um, which, again, the showcase of the league is on Christmas. Not to mention, it's like, I don't know, there's people traveling all around the country. And like, you know, it's just it's it's the worst possible time. We're not going to spend uh, any more time on this because it's like, what do you really say about it? But it did to the point that it's relevant to the Knicks. We at least wanted to start there, um, you know, which gets us to the players that they actually have on the the court. So. I've lost track of when, when, what guys have gone out. So they were missing, correct me if I'm wrong, Obi Toppin, RJ Barrett, and Kevin Knox for all three games they played this week. I, th- I think. Yes. But then Quentin Grimes has also, mi- no, Kevin Knox played against the Warriors. That's right. right? So it, yes. And it was this guy, like the order, it was like one after another, after another, after another. Deuce and. Quickly, obviously, both played in the Houston game, and then they went out before the Boston game. Um, and I want to say it was me, Knox, whatever. All of the players that every Nick fan actually enjoys watching the season are they have they're in health and safety protocols now. Um, I, I, the intellectual side of me is like, well, that has to be the lead story of what we talk about this week from a basketball standpoint because, like, these guys. And, and by the way, Derek Rose has not played now in um, a game and a half. Uh, so because he went out at halftime of the Houston game, that's important too. like the intellectual part of me is like these guys have been so important to the team. And at the same time, I feel like we can have a real discussion about the basketball team in the same context that we have been having it all season long, because in my view, at least the things that we continue to see that are troubling or the, the concerns that we have or the questions that we have have not really been altered that much by the fact that these guys have, have gone out. It, it, do you understand what I'm getting at there here? 
I do. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yes. Is it important to note that like these incredibly important players are, are, are slowly but surely uh, going by the wayside and hopefully we get them back soon for a multitude of reasons. But like, I don't feel bad sitting here and saying this was a, another week that was not a good week for the Knicks, irrespective of who played. I don't it, that doesn't shade my view. A lot of it feels like purgatory this past week. <laughs> no, really, because it's, it's the Jewish like, guy talking to the I, I the Catholic guy about the purgatory. This is doesn't great. Mean I don't know what purgatory is, right? I am, a, yeah, I am aware yeah, that yeah. you are familiar with the concept. But it, watching this past week, I guess really maybe it hammered home more of the Celtics game than anything because of the fact that the only player under the age of 27 was Mitchell Robinson, who yeah. was healthy. Um, I, I can't help but feel like that game and then maybe the next one and the one after, depending on the health of RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, because those are the two guys who were in first, Obi then RJ. It, it felt like, or it feels like watching the 2015-16 Knicks. It's a team that is just like, loaded with veterans who you know are not going to be on this team long-term. You got a little bit of young talent sprinkled in, in Billion and Gomez, which is like uh, Mitchell Robinson. Uh, normally you would have that Christoph Porzingis type player where it's like, Oh good. Look, a, a high lottery player, yeah. that impact that's not there because of COVID. The good news is that this Knicks team will get those young players back and also has one, oh. maybe even two draft picks that 2015, uh, 16 team, traded their pick uh, beforehand. That's yes, that's right. <laughs> so it's yes. a little bit better than that, but it's still... Yeah, just I think the young like, core is better too, for what it's yeah, worth. But it anyway. 100% is, but it just, that's what it has felt like, right? I am at the point physically where I, I'm so tired of this team losing that I can't emotionally root for a tank and they're not going to tank, but it's a sort of process of like, okay, well, at the same time, if this team just kept playing the way it's playing and we ignored the fact that their next 16 games are on the very easy side or easier side, I should say, even though they shouldn't take any opponent lately, yeah. that, that thinking of like, well, what happened if they maybe went 500 during that stretch and then they get into this really rough patch against great teams and they go on a West coast swing and then it's the deadline. And it's just like, this this idea of playing it in your head, because we'd said the past couple of weeks, right? We said two weeks ago, let's see how this week goes. Then we said last yeah. week, let's see how this week goes. And I still feel like we're at the point where the, if this team does well enough in the next 16 games, then we're talking about like, all right, it's play in territory. It's not the best, not the worst. But I think your most logical fan or even keeled person might say like, okay, play in territory sounds fair. But if they're not there, and then you've got this daunting schedule later on, then it's like, okay, that's, that's basically where we're at. So that's why it's hard for me to feel like we can establish a consensus, especially when so many of these guys are out. And then it's just like, okay, but we're going to wait another month, month and a half. That seems like a very long time well, to make a verdict on a team that clearly is struggling and, and is trying its best to be average and is just not being average. Let's, let's get down to brass tax because we're, we're like the... So Andrew is again, lovely enough to make these rundowns. And the first thing on the rundown for this week is Kemba Walker and like all the questions it raises. We're going to get to Kemba in a second, but like, with all due respect to Kemba and his wonderful performance on, on, um, I'm losing track of my days Saturday night against his former team in the place he played uh, called home for two years. Like that's not the lead story of this next season after 30 games. And they have played 30 games, uh, Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin and like, even like RJ Barrett, those are not the lead stories of this Knicks season. Last year, we all 
had, you know, had our cake and eat it too, because we had a guy that was um, someone that was our reclamation project. We kind of reclaimed him from the shittiness he did in our own uniform the year before, but still, whatever. He, we, he was a guy who went from a contract that you thought nobody would want in Julius Randall, obviously I'm talking about, to the MVP candidate that we saw and the All-NBA version. And the thinking was like, we don't need to worry about what specifically the next steps are because cap room, because all of our picks, because young players. And we have this guy. And we don't know exactly how it's going to fit with this guy moving forward, but we have this guy and we're happy with this guy. We love this guy. And this guy is damn good. And then we got that guy to extend for a number that all of us like threw fucking parades at the number they got him for. And now we've seen 30 games worth of that guy. And that guy has not only been bad individually, but he has shown that he has a specific issue taking a backseat to someone else running the offense. And I'm not trying to make it out like Kemba Walker, despite what we saw on Saturday night is like the second coming of, uh, you know, prime Steph Curry or something for that matter. Evan Fournier, another guy who has been the number one on other teams, which is, there is a fundamental lack of belief for me, at least that Julius Randall is capable of adjusting his game from what we saw last year to some version of himself that is like, part of a a higher level basketball team than what we saw, which leaves us in, you said it. So I'll say it again. It's the perfect word. It's purgatory because it's like, well, so what do you do? Like, I don't need 15 or 20 more. Well, I mean, I guess if he turns around, then it's one thing, but like, what does that look like? So we have all these questions here. Can I give you a couple stats real quick on Julius? Sure. And then I've got some of my own that I'd also love to divulge, but please you go first. You want to go, you want to go back and forth? Oh, we could do that. I mean, we might even have, have the same stats for all we know. I have, a, I don't think uh, my stats are always like really weird. So, um, out of 46 high usage players in the league, and I defined high usage as uh, 25 usage rate or higher with a uh, minimum 25 minutes a night and, and 15 games played. Um, so, 46 of those players. Um, what do you think Julius ranks in effective field goal percentage out of 46? I'm going to say 42nd. Yeah, you're actually a little, a little lower on him than he is. He's 39th out of 46. Okay. Um, doesn't sound that bad, right? In terms of this is this is the kicker. In terms of his on-court net rating, now I want to be very clear here. This is not the this is not the differential stat that I've been quoting a lot, which signifies how much better the team plays with Obi Toppin than with him. This is merely just flat net rating. What do you think he ranks out of those forty-six players? It's in the negative. I don't know. It is. He does indeed have a negative on-court yeah. net rating this year. See, I've got some numbers that involve other players off the floor, but I'm going to say just if we're taking Julius, no contest. Just his on-court net rating, where he ranks amongst those 46 yeah. high usage guys. Um, I feel like he's somewhere like negative seven, and he's probably close to on that 46 guys, 45th. You, you almost know that he's negative 7.5. He's 44th out of 46. And the two guys below him both play for the Detroit Pistons who have, I believe, four wins at press time. Yeah. That's not great. Um, I have one more step, but I want to hear your, your step first. Well, mine's also more Kemba focused. So why don't we get yours out of the way? And then we, okay. Can- well, my, it's funny. My other stats, a little bit more Kemba focused too. Look at us. You want to know what kind of fucking nut job I am? Here's what kind of nut job I am. I sat down with a fucking calculator before to add this up because there's no, there's no database where I could search for this. I went up and looked all of the games in this season that Kemba Walker has shot at least 10 field goal attempts. 
um, because Saturday night was his season high. He took 20 field goal attempts. He's been really good in all those, with the exception of one game in which he couldn't hit the far side of a barn. He's been really good in all, in nine of those 10 games. So Kemba shoots a lot. Kemba makes a lot of baskets. Um, twos and threes. I went back and looked up what Julius Randle shot in those 10 games when Kemba's taking a lot of shots. Um, his numbers, hold on, I'll, I'll get it right here. Uh, Andrew, you may have to edit this out if I can't find this right away, but I should be able to find it pretty quick. Here we go. I can already tell you they're going to be bad. I just know it. So he has shot 45 for 125 in those games, which is 36% from the field and 29% from deep. He being Randall, other, correct? Randall. Yes. Kemba, again, Kemba's been fantastic when he takes at least 10 field goal attempts. In the other games that, again, Julius has played where Kemba does not take at least 10 shot attempts, 44% from the field for Julius Randle. So 8% increase, 35% from deep. Now, 44-35 are not, it's not a great opening of a slash line, but it's a hell of a lot better than 36 and 29. And so to me, this is all proof of what people have been saying to me all year. And all year I've been telling people, you're nuts, you're nuts, you're nuts, you're nuts. Give it time. He's earned the right to give time. Well, it's 30 games and I'm, I'm kind of, running a little bit out of patience, not, and it'll be very clear. And then I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. Not for, for a, a lack of execution. You can be bad and you could work through slumps and guys have spent entire seasons working through slumps. This feels more than that. And it feels like the fundamental character of who he is and, and how, who he is as a leader of this team has changed. And ju- I can't get away from the on off stuff. It's like, you look at it and you're like, this can't be real. This has to be a fake stat or something. But it, they're not fake stats. They're real stats. That's they it. are. And listen, I mean, I'll say what I've been saying before. He's miscast, but that I don't mean for that to just be a cop out and leave it at that. Even being miscast when he's then, when another player takes over, like we saw Kemba took over, Fournier took over, Randall being that third option, you know, some nights that'll happen. That's what you hope for, right? For what yeah. Randall can be. And it's still just, it was unflattering. And it's six for 19 Right, where at a certain point, you just, you have to throw your hands up and say like, yeah, he's not performing well, even if it's a different role, he's just genuinely, he's not doing what needs to be done to win. And again, I think that you could still go to the contract where you're talking about it. We were thrilled about it. When you come off, you know, when the most improved player wins an award or wins the most improved player award, uh, he's in the all NBA second team. Uh, he's in the MVP conversation. You lock that guy down for four years. That's yeah. 106 to $117 million. When the fact that the cap will rise more every year than probably his salary will percentage wise. And it's that, that is still a good contract because again, if free agency is dead, you don't have to worry about signing and trading him to somewhere else where he has more say you can move him at another point and, and it's fine. That's still, again, why I'm not really worried about it, but I'm worried about him. That's the thing. And there's some, you know, we could talk about Kemba Walker. We could look at how well he did coming off of a two-week rest. Uh, the fact that the Knicks were just decimated in terms of players that they had, that he had the extra juice because he was playing against the team that traded him to the Thunder and didn't want anything to deal with him. Um, that all is, you know, worth mentioning, I believe. But I think that there's also going to be some sort of conversation that maybe shouldn't exist in this or like it should exist, but the the ruling on it shouldn't be there. Kemba is a good player in the sense that he still can fit and contribute good basketball. Like there are enough 
there are enough teams with contracts that range because this is where the math works. Just, just him alone, his salary alone. You can basically trade him for a little under $5 million to about $13 million. It's a big range. It is. And so when I see this action network report about how no teams are interested in Kemba, I call bullshit. And the reason I call bullshit is because there are enough teams in the league that have salaries in that range where they'd be like, cool, we'd be happy to exchange that salary and a second round pick to get a player like Kemba. They're just, like, again, not that many players can do what we just saw last night. Granted, is Ennis Freedom terrible in pick and roll? And that's how Kemba and Fournier excelled? 100%. But you're also not looking at Kemba to be this star. But having said that, every single net rating, it seems, except for a two-man net rating, except for with Noel, is a negative. That's a problem. That's an well, extreme problem. Can I... Can I just throw something out there because sure. you just did you did bring it up about teams. I'm going to this is more devil's advocate than me legitimately legitimately pushing back, but if with the stat that I quoted before about the 10 or more shots, if the understand and Kemba did not start well in this game. He got to the line a, a bunch of times which made his uh, scoring at halftime the number was okay. I think he had 10 or 11 points. But he was 3 for 11 in the first half. Could you say that was rust? Possibly. Could you say he needed to kind of get himself going? Possibly, probably a mixture of the two. If you have a guy that you're not sure of, like, like he needs to dominate an offense to get his, how many other teams, if that is what teams are are fearful of, I wonder how many other teams are going to be like, do we, is that really an investment we want to make, even if it's just a second round pick? What I'm, what I'm wondering in terms of the report, and I saw the report as well and questioned it just like you did, because like, if this comes down to the Knicks or just, and, and this could get into the, the question of what do we think is going to happen with Kevin now, the Knicks just doing him a solid and the Knicks just taking on, you know, it, what I, I don't know, some money that some team doesn't want and sending Kemba a place where, as he said, after the game, I just want to play, you know, to, to keep the relationships around the league. We know the Knicks care about this stuff. Um, that I think they could, could find because, you know, if, if it's a, if it's a team that is just like, we need a spark plug off the bench and let's give Kemba Walker, 25 minutes. And when he's out there for those 25 minutes, he could shoot his to his heart's content. I don't know what that team is. But I have to think there's probably one, but that's the only thing I wanted to just add to, to what you said. But I'm with you. And he's not a starter anymore for a good team. He is a guy who no. you can plug and play off of the bench. And again, we're seeing players, unfortunately, drop like flies in terms of COVID protocols. With all of the risk that's going on, you're telling me that it seemed like the Clippers, where if they did want to trade from excess. They wouldn't be interested in someone like that. That That's why I'm just very confused about it. But here are some other things, right? There's some net ratings that I looked at that involve Kemba Walker, specifically off the floor, that are fascinating to me. Those should be so good. when you have Evan Fournier, RJ Barrett, and Julius Randle on the floor, and Kemba Walker off the floor, they've played 190 minutes. Okay. They have a net rating of positive 3.9, which again, when we, when you consider Fournier and Randall and how they have mixed like oil and water, I mean, here's the other context, right? When Evan Fournier and Julius Randall are on the floor together and Kemba and RJ are off, they've played 184 minutes together. So pretty much. Wait, the same sorry, this is Kemba. So the first example. Was, yeah, I, I got the first right. one. What's this, this next one? Second one is Fournier and Randall on. RJ off. RJ and Kemba off. And Kemba off. Okay. So that is 184 minutes, which is six minutes short of what the last one was. That net rating goes from 3.9 to negative 15.5. 
Which <laughs> so is, RJ's the glue. RJ's the glue, but you know, it also, you know, when you have RJ and Julius on the other two off, it's negative 6.3 net rating in 97 minutes. Um, when you have Fournier, Randall, and Kemba on and RJ off, it's a 20.6 net rating, but it's again, 35 minutes and 27 of them were yesterday's game. So was, yeah. you can just throw that out. It's a small sample size, all this stuff. But so, you're, but you're using this as a Kemba Walker stat where it could just as easily be a Julius Randle stat. And again, point to yes. what I was talking about before that these two players cannot play together. But again, the, the, the obvious direction to go is like, well, obviously that Kemba is the one that has to go because you've just, one guy has $140 million invested in him. The other guy has $18 million invested in him. That's, I just wonder, and it's a theoretical exercise that we don't need to even play out, but like if contracts were the same or like not drastically different, I just, I wonder which way they would, which way they would be thinking. Yeah. But because it's not as obvious to me. A hundred percent. But that, that's the other frustrating thing on my, like that I'm thinking as well. And this is where the people who are so angry at Julius Randall are absolutely valid because it's like, all right, Julius isn't working with RJ, just the two of them with Fournier and Walker off. Oh, he's not Julius working with anybody except Obi. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's every single player that, that seems to be. And that's what's so it's frustrating about it. Yeah. And so it's like, if you have Randall, who's immovable right now, um, like I'd even like to see Fournier off of the bench, not, not actually, not necessarily him coming off the bench to start the game, but you could start the game with him, sub him out pretty quickly, four minutes in, bring him in with the second unit. If you have RJ Randall and Kemba Walker off and Evan Fournier on, it's only been 30 minutes. I was about to say, there's not a big sample size. There isn't. And here's the thing. It's a negative 2.3 rating, which isn't great, but this is, this is again, where it is kind of... I know you're a Tibbs apologist, but it's the sort of thing where I wish that Tibbs experimented more before this with Fournier without those guys. Because, and I think this goes to a larger root, which is what we saw last night with Kemba, with Fournier, and I guess with Randall. You know, again, uh, he's been worse in other games, but he wasn't good last night. Mm. It's the sort of thing where this team, uh, uh, it's, it sounds crazy. This team has talent, but there's just no goddamn effort. It just, why is it that it has to be a revenge well, game that finally gets you moving yeah. the same way it got Fournier moving in the first game against the Celtics? I they don't, there, no one seems to care enough to do anything. No one can pick each other up and they're, they're not gelling. And I'm, I'm sure Tibbs is tired of trying to figure out a solution, but it just feels like we don't know what works. We just know a ton of things that do not work. And, it, and what's mostly not working in this case is, if we're looking at the net rating, we're looking at the numbers, and that's at the end of the day, one of the biggest things that matters. Julius Randle is what's gumming up the works. It the numbers, um, and again, it, it, it's a thirty-game sample size. And what you referenced a minute ago in terms of Tibbs not doing more to try to get these other guys going, it's I mean, it's very clear to me at least, and was made no clearer than with the the. Um, or it, it was never made clearer than with the Kemba benching that every decision, almost every decision that you, that uh, Tom Thibodeau has made this year has been made with the purpose of trying to get Julius Randle going, try to get Julius Randle comfortable, trying to get Julius Randle back to the form that he was last year. That's why he brings in these other pieces off the bench that he's like, these guys will um, surround Julius and make for a better system. So then you're thinking, well, why doesn't he just start them? Well, he, he benched Kemba already, and I guarantee you, I guarantee 
fucking to you that if Evan Fournier wasn't having didn't have a third guaranteed year and wasn't making the money he's, he's making, he would have been been benched too. And um, interesting fact, as we were recording this, uh, it was retweeted from the KFS account that there was a Berman article, and basically Tom Thibodeau and Kemba Walker have not spoken since the benching. Which I could see that. Uh, yeah, sure, of course, but you know, it's it's that sort of thing. But I guess people also will want to know. Okay, well, if you're not going to integrate Kemba. Like what, what is Tibbs going to do? And I, I have my preference, um, but here's what I want to throw out to you, John. So sure. with Derek Rose, I mean, obviously can, he, he's, can I give you, wait, before you go, can I just give you yes. one more thing? Cause we, you're, we're going to move on from the effort sure. thing. Um, last season for first quarter, usually it's like, that's a sign of like, you're coming out with, you're coming out of the gate with piss and vinegar, right? Mm-hmm. Fire and desire as it were. Um, last season, the Knicks first quarter defensive rating, uh, 105.6. It was second in basketball, um, only to the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Um, this season, first quarter defensive rating, um, 29th in the league, 112.9. And uh, it gets better. Um, since they um, changed the starting lineup, um, so the last 10 games, that number has gone up to, make sure I'm correct, 10 games since they changed the starting lineup, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it 11 games? It's around there. Yeah, um, 127.9 defensive rating, which again, sounds like a fake number. That's the effort that they're coming out of the gate with. And notice that number is actually worse than what the original starting five with Kemba oh, and those three and then it, Mitch it's, was. Not only is it worse, the, the it's I didn't realize, I can't believe I hadn't realized this until I was looking it up before, stealing from tomorrow's newsletter, it's okay. Um the, the defensive rating number with the original starting five was trending in the right direction. The, the offensive rating was trending in the wrong direction. But again, like this whole thing that this was about, about defense, I, 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 again, I think this was all to get Julius Randle going and, and obviously it hasn't worked. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Knicks basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Knicks tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that all other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you could find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. When the Knicks schedule came out, there are definitely certain dates we all circled on the calendar. October 20th against the Celtics, Christmas Day against the Hawks, January 12th against the Mavericks, even April 6th against Brooklyn. Whether on the road or in the garden, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash filmschool today to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets. That's TickPick.com slash filmschool to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets today. Sorry, I cut you off before you were talking about Dirk. No, it's fair. I think that what Tibbs actually did in terms of Kemba, Fournier, Barrett, Randall and Noel was in the right direction. It wasn't great, mind you, but it was 56 minutes and it had a net rating of 1.9, which isn't, again, it's not very good, but it's a round average. I think it might be a little below, but there's a reason why Tib scrapped it because he still felt this wasn't right and kept tinkering. So with Derek Rose, we know that Tibbs likes him coming off the bench. Yes. And Tibbs isn't going to put Deuce as a starting point guard ahead of Derek Rose and then there's the argument for quickly, but I think that... You're about that? Well, so here's here's my thinking. <laughs> Derek Rose, Evan Fournier, RJ Barrett, and Julius Randle have played 90 minutes together this season. Okay. In those 90 minutes, they have a net rating of 18.4. That's phenomenal compared to everything that we're seeing. That, I mean, that's something. But here's where, yeah. here's where it gets tricky. <clears throat> when you take those four and you add Mitchell Robinson in, They've only played 41 of those 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Or I guess, you know, negative 17.7 net rating. Yeah. So Not a my, huge sample size, but terrible. My inkling is that a lot of, where, was OB Randall part of the. Well, hold on. I'm getting there. Yeah. With Taj, 19 minutes, even smaller sample size, yeah. 70.8. Hard to read into <laughs> that. <laughs> no, With no, 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 no. Here's what I read into that. When you put Taj Gibson out of the, uh, the floor, you will outscore teams by 70 points per 100 possessions. That is I, all I'm taking from that. Hey, 71. I'm going to round that sucker up um, That's with Noel 15 possessions. So even smaller, yeah. negative 25. Okay. And then with Obi, <laughs> so six minutes in total, 73.8. It was a positive so, 1 million net right. rating. The other team actually implodes when right. they see that lineup <laughs> on the floor. But I think um, this, this yeah. kind of goes to a, a larger issue, which I keep coming back to, which is, we can talk about the point guard situation and Kemba Walker until the cows come home. Yeah. I, yeah. But again, like there's a center problem here. The, the Knicks have to address it in well, some manner. Ugh. And that's kind of where I keep going back to, which is like, again, if Alec Burks, because we didn't even mention Alec Burks. We just talked about point guards and everything. Um, that to me, it's just like, if Alec Burks isn't going to go back to being your starting point guard, because let's face it, he's not a point guard. He shouldn't. You're going to have to keep tinkering around and moving pieces and you're going to need some outside help. And there are a lot of ways Knicks can do it. But I think one of the clearer ones is to address the issue at the five in the hopes of addressing the defense and solving that and hoping to fix the offense with that as well. Um, I've made it clear about that. I'm interested in miles Turner. I, 
we can move on to that. We can talk about something else, but like there's still a, there, there are other issues than just the point guard spot. And Kemba Walker to me, isn't even uh, issue number one. He might even be like issue number 12 or 14. I, yeah. I, and my prediction by the way, is I think he goes right back to being out of the rotation when they're, when they're healthy. And I don't even, I don't really know what healthy means. Um, I don't know if I care, but he's, he's not going to be in the rotation because Tibbs that's Tibbs made that pretty clear in the comments from afterwards. Um, you know, we know when Tibbs gives you an inkling that he's starting to think about something. He didn't give you that inkling. Um, and the, the no speaking to each other, I like this thing is, this thing has sailed its course. Um, and it's unfortunately gotten to the point where it's contentious between, you know, Tibbs and a player that is universally loved, especially it's, among other players, yeah, which really it, it, it yeah. just sucks. It's, right? it's not what you sucks. want. And it's, and it absolutely, it needs to be said a lot of the favor you carried around the league last season by what they did. Like they're losing some of it right now with this thing. Um, when, when respected ex players were tweeting about that, like this situation in a negative way, it's not good. Um, and again, I get it. I get why it happened. This is all in this is all in the service of Julius Randle and to try to get Julius Randle going, which is why the closest thing that I could come up to uh, or come up with as a solution at this point would be to have a starting five that goes back to the way the closest they can come to how they played last season and give the fucking ball to Julius Randle every goddamn time down the court, let him cook and and let him do his thing. And just basically throw your hands up and say, all right, is this the thing that's going to get you to play hard consistently on the other end? Um, Because right now, this kind of like towing the line thing is not working where he's trying to like be, you know, sharing is carrying Randall, but he's also trying to occasionally like get his own. But it's not working. It's not working. We know it's not working. It's not going to work. So what is that? You're dealing with. Exactly what you ran into problem wise with the Hawks in the playoffs. Well, not necessarily because I think it's a better roster. And look, I, I'm I'm at the point where I just want to get a watchable brand of basketball yes. again, where the narrative surrounding this team isn't what it is now. And then once the narrative is back up, you can make all the fucking changes you want to make. But we need to get it back to the point where everybody's trade value isn't in the shitter. Agreed. That's and yeah. and, and that needs to be with Julius Randall. Uh, uh, hello, February third once again. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I hit, no, listen, the date circled on my calendar from. and it's going to yes. be circled on my calendar. So what does that look like? I don't know what it looks like. Does it look like deuce and does it look like deuce and RJ and not Fournier deuce, RJ, probably Burks, probably deuce, RJ start starting five. Yeah. Starting new starting five. Like in my crazy world where this is the goal to just get it back to looking as close to last year as possible. I think it's something like, Deuce, RJ Burks, and then pick your center. I don't really think it matters. And then the question is, who's going to be out of the rotation? Well, it's probably going to be Grimes out of the rotation in that case. And again, Kemba's already out of the rotation. And then it's Rose quickly, um, Fournier, Rose quickly, Fournier, OB, and and your backup center off the bench. That would be what I would do. Do I think he's going to do that? I mean, no, but at this point, yeah. You, got, you gave you inspired something that I hadn't necessarily considered before. Ooh, I love inspiring. So here's the thing, right? We look <laughs> at what this front office has brought in in terms of free agent talent, and it's not inspiring. It's been disappointing. But it's the other thought of like, okay, well, Kemba's out of the rotation. That's seeming to be a Tibbs call, but we don't know what they do behind the scenes. 
I still think it's Tibbs related. I think we're talking about Fournier, how he also can't mesh with Randall. And I'm just thinking if Julius isn't in the picture and you're playing Kemba and Fournier and you've got Noel, who of course, I mean, he's still not his healthiest self, but all these different things. I guess the point I'm driving to is what do, what does this free agency look like without Julius Randall in the picture? Because oh. the whole point is it's trying to accentuate Julius to be the best. So you're saying what if they himself. traded? I'm not, I'm not suggesting that I'm just, it's more of a hypothetical of like, we view this front office's decisions from this past summer uh, as uh, negative because it's uh, not uh, working, but, but it's the same thought. It's a thought process like, okay, well, it's to maximize Julius, but no one's maximizing Julius and he's not maximizing himself. I was about to say, I, so, I'm tired of that fucking narrative that sure. they're not maximizing Julius. I, I hear you, but I'm just <clears throat> trying to say like, again, what we saw last night, for example, we saw Fournier going off. We saw Kemba going off. We didn't see that from Julius. We know that RJ's out. We know that Obi's out quickly. Dude, I have one more thing. Grimes, Keep going. I, you know, it's the sort of thought process though. It's like, well, the intention was to make Randall better and that's not working. But if we're just talking about collecting talent, what if Randall's not in the picture for just, just, I'm not saying trading him, but just in general, what is the thought process? Even if he were to like, if he missed games or whatever it is, how is that viewed? Because if it's without Randall and they're doing well, then it's like, well, we've maybe identified another problem that maybe free agency wasn't quite as bad as it feels like. And instead it's just not being able to work with the guy that you've committed to long-term but with that being said, I don't see the Knicks making moves that only satisfy Randall. They can do things that where they still are buyers that help them well, in the short term and the long term without it being like, this is a move purely for I, Randall. I think, look, the Randall tenure, I, I don't think it's going to end this season. I think it's a very real possibility it ends this summer. Um, I do think the organization has been good about making moves not centered around Julius Randall, because if they were to do that, they might have gone way more all in this summer than they did. That's number one. And two, like they've still like they've tr- clearly drafted certain types of play. Like I think their drafting style and what they're trying to build here culturally. I think that's uh, uh, separate and apart from anything involving Julius. Last thought, and then let's hit these the last two topics, and then we'll move on to game ball and detention. We've we've been talking about this for a while, but I feel like it's worth talking about because this really is everything. This is everything yeah. what we're talking about right here. Um. Imagine a world, imagine a world, will you, Jeremy, where JFK was still alive? Uh, <laughs> I was hoping you'd I'm really glad. That's why I was really glad yeah. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, where everything is, is wonderful. Julius Randle plays, let's give him 28 to 30 minutes a game, taking six, seven minutes off of his nightly total, seven, eight minutes, whatever it is. And because of that, you got you to gotta get after it, man on defense for that time that you're in there. You got to. Otherwise, we're not playing you again. So we're adding in real accountability for Julius Randle into this fantasy world. And for those 28 to 30 minutes, Julius Randle is going to spend maybe half of his time at power forward and the other half of his time at center. And he will get a couple of ISOs here and there. Um, If it's the last five, six seconds of the shot clock, you know who's going to take the shot. But other than those situations, he's being used strictly in pick and roll as a role man. And if he's playing center, that is unguardable. If you put him out there with the talent that the Knicks have on the floor, that is not like NBA teams can't guard that. If you're just like, here, stop this guy going downhill when we have four shooters around him and like Kemba Walker running it or Derek Rose running the pick and roll, whatever. 
And then for the other 14 minutes, when he's alongside a center, maybe that's where you give him a couple more ISOs. Maybe that's where, you know, again, but like you could, we've still seen, they, I mean, they did it last night where you get Julius rolling and you can figure the offense in a way where, and, and my point in bringing this up is to say like, do you not think that there are people in the Knicks organization who recognize that this would be the optimal use of this man? I'm telling you, if you want to blame Tibbs for not being able to like get through to Julius as to like, this is the best way you should be utilized in this game. Fine. I have zero evidence to say that you're wrong. I personally, having watched this sport for 30 years, when guys who think they are superstar players go out and like, like they have an idea of what they, what that should look like. And Julius Randle essentially just being used as, you know, a, a power forward version of like the idealized version of Dwight Howard 15 years ago. That's not what he wants to be. You know, he wants to be the guy with the ball in his hands and like running the fucking show. I think that's my opinion. That's and and I and that's that's the fucking problem. Anyway. All right. Let's move on. Um, two things real quick. And th- these are both for you. Um, so your own uh, Weissman re- uh, replied to a tweet that I had in regards to Mitchell Robinson. And I was very disappointed in Mitch's defense in the first half, especially at the Houston game. Um, and he basically was like, do you think the Knicks screwed up by not extending Mitch uh, this summer um, to up his trade value? And my reply to your own was basically like, I don't know if giving, having more guaranteed years of Mitchell Robinson, absent it being at a ridiculous number that I don't think, any of us think he would accept. I don't know if that ups his trade value because of the concern surrounding his, um, shall we call it unique personality. And like there being a situation where some teams like, are we sure we want to like sign up for three more years of this guy in our locker room who's tweeting or IGing or whatever the fuck after a game where he didn't, you know, where he's in his feelings. Like, so yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts? Well, his value is high and then he got hurt. And I'm sure the mm. Knicks were probably scared off by the injury and wanted to just play it out. The Knicks had the option of making him a restricted free agent and then going above the cap to resign him. They didn't do that. Instead, they just picked up his contract for $1.8 million and said, you know what? Let's just roll with it and see how we how we do. I think the thing that Yaron is missing when he suggests that, or at least when he asks it, is that teams can still give Mitchell Robinson a contract if he's traded elsewhere. It's yep. not like it goes away. That option's yep. still there. Uh, again, if he's not playing up to how he should, then I don't see another team, especially when there's limited cap space being like, Oh yeah, let's open up the checkbook and go deep for trying to sign Mitchell Robinson. I just don't necessarily see that occurring, but I think the other thing to consider is that if you, if you're the Knicks and you re-signed Mitch this off season, not to an extension per se, but just like made him a free agent and then dealt with it, you're looking at a contract that's probably about $10 million. Now you have to worry about finding the right match for it. Right now, because of Mitchell Robinson's salary, the Knicks can trade him to 29 teams. That doesn't mean that there are 29 teams that will be interested. But the point being that his salary is low enough where you could throw him into a trade. You could trade him into uh, a TPE. You could trade him for a minimum player. You could do any of these things. And it's an easier way of doing it than like, hey, uh, you got someone we can match with who is similar to $10 million in salary. It just, if Mitch couldn't, if Mitch were a first round pick and the Knicks didn't sign him and then he couldn't be signed until, you know, free agency, I I'd understand, but it's, that's not the case. He's an unrestricted free agent. I just don't, 
I just don't see it as, as problematic. Um, I, his stock is lower. Hopefully he raises it. I don't know how much it's going to raise, but at this point, I mean, would you object to if the Knicks made a trade for a center like Miles Turner? Oh, I, you could throw Mitch in any in any trade that gets you gets me something. Sure, decent. but even if I'm the Pacers aren't aren't interested, right? I mean, what is his value at this point? Is it a, is it a mid second? Is it a high second? Uh, there's an NBA player in there. Again, I just think <laughs> this fear of like, oh, well, we have to pay Mitchell Robinson. It's like again. I remember back in the day where it was like the two of us and Schwinn was on a pod and we were talking about how worried we were about paying Damian Dotson. And like he went to Cleveland and got two years and $4 million. And it's that sort of mindset where it's like maybe at the time we overvalued a Nick because he's in uniform. And I'm not saying we're doing that now because no, right? we acknowledge that he's not worth a whole lot. Well, there, but, but there's a, there's a real ceiling that Mitch does. He's, I mean, he showed it. In in Boston, when he got fired up and he was like, he, he whatever, he got his ankle injury mm-hmm. and then he started playing like, you know, he's Philip Piss and Vinegar. Um, but again, it's flashes, you know, that's the that's the problem. Great. Um, can I make a, a, a what? <laughs> it's it's fleeting. The moment. It's, fle- yeah, has, it's fleeting. But, good word. Um, can I make a prediction? Please. Do. I think he gets something. A little bit better. Than the Zach Collins contract. So Zach Collins, for anybody who may forget who he is, and I wouldn't blame you because he hasn't played basketball in two years. Um, this summer, despite not playing basketball last year, he got a contract for three years, $22 million from the Spurs. Last two years, I bl- I just looked it up. I'm pretty sure they're both fully non-guaranteed. So it was essentially, yeah, essentially a one-year, $7 million deal. Um, Mitchell Robinson has shown a lot more in his uh, three and a half seasons than Zach Collins showed in his three seasons. Collins was the number 10th pick in the draft. There was a lot of, there was always a lot of positivity surrounding Zach Collins, more, more idea than actuality. I could see it being some team gives him like a three for 30, but with either a very small guarantee on the second year or like something like, like that. That's what my prediction would be right now. I think it will look close to the Noel contract and it will factor in unlikely bonuses that don't affect the salary cap as well. And it's, That's you know, it's up to Mitch to do that. So it might be, I think it'll probably be maybe two years guaranteed. And then the third is a non-guaranteed contract or not a non-guaranteed salary with the <laughs> unlikely bonuses factored. But hmm. either way, I mean, again, that's why I feel like the risk of a team losing him. It's not that significant. There aren't, unless a team is getting hard capped to pay Mitchell Robinson, because assuming the ones that have cap space aren't the ones that are going after him. Like, really? That's, that's the decision you're going to make. Cause doesn't seem like a sound basketball one, which is why if the Knicks did deal him and if it were say on his own for like a mid to high second round pick, if you're the team that's receiving him, that's a worthwhile bet is the player you're going to draft in the second round going to be better than what you believe Mitchell Robinson can be over the next three years. Do you feel like the value of that is going to be better again? Mitchell Robinson was drafted 36th overall. I was about to say like, look at some of the guys in the league right now who are making impacts, you know, from I do some pride. Um, I don't know why he just came to my head, but like Herb uh, Jones, the kid in in mm-hmm. the Pel- uh, who Pelicans drafted, who right before McBride. Like, there's other examples, like Jericho Sims, 58th pick in the draft. Like, if you know what you're looking for in that, in that, you know. Anyway, I digress. Okay, uh, one more thing before we move on to game ball. Uh, it was brought up on the the pod I did with F- uh, Fuddy earlier this week that both um, Ian Bigley and Steve Popper said they thought it would take either quickly or Toppin to get Miles Turner. You've obviously made no no um, effort to hide the fact that you would like. Uh, Turner, 
I, we don't have to talk about this for too long because you did speak about it last week. But like, do you agree with that assessment? And then um, did and this, I guess, was for both of us. Did another week of losing make us any more afraid that a panic trade could occur? I don't think this front office is going to make a panic trade. They're not. They're uh, going to yeah. be patient. Yeah. Uh, all right. So here's the thing with a Miles Turner trade involving quickly or Obi. It all depends on the market, as yeah. we were saying. Um, and ironically, I, I was proud of myself because I mentioned Herb Simon as a potential threat. And he comes out and is like, oh, well, we don't have to treat our guys. I like where they are. I think it's just posturing. I think he's just trying to say, let's get better deals in-house. But I just want to look through very quickly the teams that are out there to find some sort of way where it's like, what would it cost where you have to give up salary and IQ or top and, and a future first round pick. Because as we stated before, it's usually salary fair, young prospect, and it's a future first round pick or just a first round pick in general. And I just, I keep going back to basically what's around, right? So yeah. the Hawks don't need him. They're not going to trade Capella. The Celtics, we mentioned them on the last podcast. I really don't think that they're going to be in on it. Um, the Nets, they're not in. Nope. The Hornets, are they really going to go into, you know, the Knicks hold their pick for the next four years as things stand, I, if it doesn't convey, that means that they would, if they traded, you know, a 2027 pick, uh, what does that mean? So instead yeah, of if, trading like PJ Washington, and I was Book about Knight, to say, if, if then that's a different story, then that ups if, the price. Certainly. If they're willing to give up book night and, and it depends on, on what uh, Indiana thinks of PJ Washington. Right. So that's certainly a threat. Uh, the bulls aren't going to do it. The Cavs are not going to the nope. Mavs. Nope. I'm sure they're interested. They have the salary. Maybe they could throw in a couple, but, but you know, they don't really have, they don't have a young player to give either <laughs> unless they give up Brunson, who's an unrestricted I'd, free agent himself. And I just don't see them doing that. I would be very surprised if they, if that, Brunson was the foundation of a Turner trade. Agreed. Uh, the Nuggets aren't going to do it. No. The Pistons are on a different timeline. They're a no. division rival as well. We talked about the Warriors and how Sabonis is probably a much better fit for them. And they do have the equity to go get Sabonis. Yep. They really want it. Uh, the Rockets, I just don't see that being a fit. Uh, the Pacers are, I mean, it's them. They're not going to trade Miles Turner themselves. Uh, the Clippers, maybe, they won't. maybe they just keep them. Maybe they could. Uh, the Clippers don't have the juice for it. Neither do the Lakers. The no. Grizzlies, again, surplus of picks. Are they trading? It's, it's no. not a Grizzly move. It doesn't do feel like it's, it's not a Grizzly move. move. Uh, the Heat. They've got BAM and they don't have the assets to get it done. The Bucks, division rival, and they don't have the assets. The Timberwolves, they certainly could. But in, your, in terms of young player, it's like, no. all right, you're sending Jaden McDaniels they, or they, that they want like, Simmons. They, they're not they're not trading for Turner. They want Simmons. Yeah. Uh, the Pelicans. I don't see why they would do that. They've got they've got Valanciunas unless they're trading Valanciunas for Turner and some sort of deal. It just doesn't make a whole lot yeah, of sense they, to me. They just signed Valanciunas to that contract. Yeah. Right. Uh, we got the Knicks. We've talked about them certainly with their surplus of picks and a lot of players um, that are young. Uh, yes. Oklahoma City. I mean, sure, they could do it, but I don't see why they would, especially if Turner's gone this year. No. Uh, they don't have the attention of actively winning, which is fine. Magic, unless no. they're trading Mo Bamba, it just doesn't doesn't work. A move that, that doesn't make sense, sense. for them. Uh, the Sixers, no. The Suns, no. no. They're going to keep Aiton. The Blazers, they don't have what it would take to get well, Turner, but they'd be an interesting situation in the terms the, of like, mm, he does help their defense. They could trade something like, but they don't, but that's the other thing. They, this is where they struggle because of what Olshay has done two years in a row now, which is trading a protected yeah. pick. They're locked up. They can't move anything unless they call up Chicago and say, 
we'll throw you another asset to unlock our pick. Like if they put Simon, I don't know. I have no idea if they will, but if they, again, it's similar to like book night. Um, if but they put the, Simon's, sorry, the difference oh. with Simon's and book night is Simon's is going to be a free agent. next. I know. Week. And book night has three and a half years left of his salary or rookie scale. That's yeah. But if you're dangerous. Indiana, you, uh, you could probably, I figure they'll get Simon's for something under what Turner's owed next year. Sure. So it's not it, like, it's just, it doesn't feel like you're really paying for I, a rookie scale. Cause you're, you're essentially like, not. And there it's also, again, as, as the ESPN article detailed recently, like they, they have an interim GM, like person really gonna make that call to like, uh, for a team that's whatever the fuck they are, 11 and 19, you know, I just, I, I would be surprised. Yeah. Uh, the Kings. I mean, maybe, they have Rashawn Holmes. They just signed Rashawn Holmes for contract extension. Good number. So, like, if the Kings were desperate enough to do Rashawn Holmes, Davion Mitchell, and a first round pick, that's that's a Ben Simmons type offer, or at least starting point. Uh, Spurs. I don't think they'll do it. Uh, Yaka Pertle forever. Good, good center. The Raptors could, but it's the sort of thing where they don't have the young talent to get across the board. Just like, I like maybe like why not? Because, but I just again they're. To me, they're more like that's Turner's a center. And I think the Raptors are going for versatility. Um, not to say they don't need a big, a, a better center than they have, but I, I just, again, that would surprise me. Yeah, me too. I mean, you're basically looking at Malachi Flynn, who is a worse player than Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin, or you're looking at Precious Achua, who, uh, I mean, like, I don't, I personally don't think he offers you. He's a good, he's a good prospect. Don't get me wrong, but, but like, if the Raptors at the point where they're offering a Chua, a first round pick and salary, it's like, I was about to say, but it would have to be, wouldn't it have to be Drogic's salary would. unless I'm forgetting some big salary that I have. And I feel like they have bigger. I would imagine they have other plans for that salary than to just dump it on Indiana. Potentially. But again, it's like we can add them to the list, but again, I, I, think I was, he's a good prospect, but I don't and, think he moves the needle. And then um, Utah and Washington, right? And then Utah, who's they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it in Washington. There's a million centers. Yeah. Right. So, so we've run through Charlotte. This list. Right. Well, we talked about Charlotte, right? We've yeah. I was going to say it's, it's Charlotte. Charlotte is the threat. They are the main threat. And then maybe one or two other teams that we match. But so that that's the bottom line. It's like, is Charlotte going to be that determined to get Miles Turner and try to trade, you know, multiple young players? Do the Pacers even like those players? Do other teams or they make a three team deal? So I guess this is a long way of basically saying, I, I don't. I don't think it comes to that point where it's IQ or Toppin. I also want to say, and I know that Pod Strickland talked about this. I haven't gotten the chance to listen, but I was also thinking as well about maybe instead of trading Kemba because of his salary and his situation, if instead you traded Burks, maybe it's not to the Pacers if they don't want him, but he has some sort of value because he's, I mean, he's a, a pull up three maestro who can play the wing and be versatile and handle the ball. He's yeah. Not a starting point guard, but some team would definitely benefit from what he brings. And that's the thought process of, okay, well, like how many offers for Turner are there where it's basically Burks and salary filler that can go elsewhere like Knox and something like Rokas who could be signed to the mid level when he comes over, you could get four years out of him on a rookie scale deal and a first round pick. The Hornets one. That's where my mind is kind of at, where it's like, how many offers are, are significantly better? And if they are significantly better, at what point do you then say, well, the Knicks need a center, but Miles Turner isn't that good but, enough to require that type of trade? The I, understand, thing, I understand the just one more thing. The yeah. athletic I know said that around the league, Emmanuel Quickly's perception is that of maybe more of a, a fringe starter, right? And I think if you are yeah. 
taking a player who was drafted 25th and he is in that category, you've done a really good job with that pick. But it's the sort of thing there where it's like, again, what, is, what are the other teams offering that is so good where it takes Emmanuel quickly, even if we may think he's better than the league does? Like it's going to be that much. So yeah, I, I've used the other trades as well as a comparison. I, with all due respect to to Begley and Popper, it could, I could wind up having egg on my face. Totally. I just, when we've examined the other things, I just, I don't necessarily see it, but who knows? The notion of, I, and I, I would be loath to give up Burks, obviously, because I, I love Alec Burks. Um, but that notion of Burks, Knox, and one of the, um, the, you know, the Charlotte pick or the Dallas pick, and then a couple of seconds. Mm. Again, even if you threw in Rokas, that sort of thing. Yeah, because you, you don't need to create a, right? You don't need to create a roster spot. You don't. And then yeah. you give Grimes ample playing time because he takes the Burke spot. You could put Rose in the starting it, lineup or, or it would Hugh. clear up. It would clear up some of the roster issues. Yeah. It just, or rota- me, rotation issues. Yeah. yeah. To me, it feels like kind of a no brainer at that point. It, well, it hurts because Burks matters to the team, <clears> but <throat> then you're able to say, all right, we're still developing talent and the young guys. I, I think I'm the bigger issue, it, but I think others might object. And that's fine. no, I, I think the issue there is then you're stuck with Miles Turner and you haven't traded away a center. So I would imagine that would there be a, another, it'd be another corresponding move. deal like or if, would, would, would Mitch be in there? I don't know. Um, either way, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. That'd be interesting. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, okay, let's give out uh, some game balls, give the tension, and then we'll we'll finish up with our predictions. My game ball, I'm just, you know, I overanalyze this every week. I'm, I'm not overanalyzing this week. I'm going to give it to the guy that I want to give it to, and that's Deuce McBride. Um, I'm pretty sure Emmanuel, Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin have kind of a special uh, place in this next season as far as, like, joy brought to people watching who root for this team. Um, Deuce's performance in the, in the limited, albeit limited time that we saw him this week, right? A little bit on, on, well, not a little bit. He played what? 20 something minutes against the Warriors. And then against Houston, just from an excitement factor of like, Whoa, what do they have here? That's he, that's enough. That, that means he's getting my game ball. Um, he absolutely looked the part of a guy who can run point in this league. Again, maybe it's not a starting point guard, but the defense, I mean, my goodness, if he plays defense like that and he could make a pass and he could hit a three and some of those threes are off the dribble, um, you know, and he ha- his handle is, you know, it's, it's, it's still a work in progress. The pick and roll is still a work in progress, obviously all those things, but I am t- talking about all the guys of, that are out. The guy that I can't wait to see the most right now, if I'm being honest, is, is Deuce McBride. So there's my game ball. He is the obvious choice. He also, there are plays where he just kind of, you could tell he was a quarterback in high school because of mm. how he orchestrated the offense, that steal that he picked up and then 
going coast to coast, setting the screen, you know, dishing it to Knox, oh. setting a screen in the three. I mean, that. Beautiful. How long have we been wanting to see that from that type of a young player? It was phenomenal. Um, so I, you didn't go with Steph, interestingly enough. Who, uh... Andrew? Why the fuck did you write that on the thing? Don't cut this out, Andrew Claudio. I blame you for writing Steph Curry's name. What did he write next to it? Hold on, let me read it here. Broke the all-time three-point record in front of Jeremy at a back. <laughs> I didn't catch that part. Okay, I, I forgive you, Andrew. It's okay. I do want to say the whole, just very quickly, the idea of we're like, I can't believe Knicks fans would cheer for Steph Curry. Shut the fuck up. I, like, look, I, I didn't go overboard, but the reason sure why clapped. I was so happy, of course I did. Yeah. The, the excitement of this player getting close to this record as a basketball fan, it was just awesome to see. So, you know, again, I don't, if you feel like I'm not a fan for it, I mean, I'd say this podcast and the years I've wasted on this team in my life would say otherwise, but whatever. Um, Deuce to me is the obvious answer, but I think that if we're going to be real, we got to talk about the force that was just consistent all week, dominating right and left. It's, it's COVID. I'm going to give my game ball to COVID. <laughs> COVID gets your game ball. <laughs> COVID gets my game ball. I mean, it's um, incredible okay, stuff. Uh just disgusting, unfortunately, but that just tore through the league. Uh, my non-COVID game ball would probably... I was about to say, you have to give a non-COVID game ball. I do. Um, I guess it goes to quickly. I mean, here's the thing. I felt like... I was, I was torn between quickly and McBride. Yeah, you know, I don't think Kemba deserves to get the, the game ball for one game. At least Deuce had a game and a half, two games where he showed some nice promise and success. Oh, Evan, it was just very up and down. I'm sure we'll talk about him in the bottom half, but I, I got to go with quickly. The way he energized the team in Houston, that whole fourth quarter. I mean, and hey, credit to Mitch too. I mean, he looked like trash in the first half, especially in the first quarter. Uh, it's also some defensive miscues. I mean, the fact that he had 36 year old Taj diving onto the floor basically to save a ball, it's whatever. Um, quickly, I'm going to give it to quickly. Um, it's a good choice. Uh, I think we nailed the right two. Um, okay. So detention again, as a player coach or, um, anybody really, who you think needs to be locked in a room. I, I, I love reading this locked in a room by themselves for their performance this week. That's not how detention works. Um, that sounds like it, solitary confinement. It's really, it's actually, it's, it's not, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's torture. Um, I'm going to give it to, you know what? I, when did I give it to myself a week or two ago? In the same vein, um, I th- I can't believe I'm going to do this. I got to give it to Tibbs for this week because the Kemba thing now seems like it's it's boiling over. You know, the kitchen's not on fire yet. You know, it's not out of hand. It's, it can, it's still, obviously, it's containable. Lower the heat. Take the pot off the stove. Any number of things you get. It's, it's not to that point yet. Um, but the fact that it has got, and you know what, honestly, in conjunction, I, I I'll throw some of the, the front office in there because they did. And it's, I'm not saying again, I don't blame any of these people. I don't blame any of these people because like I get their decision-making along the way. And I would have done made the same decision as every single one of them, every step of the way. Including doing making a whole fanfare out of Kemba coming home, would have done the same thing. Why not? It's a great opportunity to do that. 
And yet I don't run basketball team or coach basketball team for a reason because I don't have that skill set. And this is one of those things where I just kind of have to look up and be like, listen, you, you screwed this up. It's not in a good place right now. What I point the finger of blame anywhere, but it's not in a good place right now. And I think we're at the point where someone does need to take ownership for that. So um, again, I'm not saying I could have done better. I'm admitting I could not have done better or would not have done better. Uh, but that's, that's the detention for this week. I'm shocked that you picked Tibbs for this week because this is, I feel like the one week where Tibbs would get covered based on how many players have it's, been in health and safety protocol. It, it is something that has come to a head ah, this week. It's boiling point now. It's ex- exactly uh, water doesn't sure. boil in you know five seconds. Uh, Jeremy Cohen. That's true. Watch pot never boils, but also if you put a wooden spoon over the pot, it won't boil over. Fun fact for all you out there who might want to cook. Uh, Speaking of cooking, uh, detention, COVID, you're, you're in both game. You get the game ball and you get detention. You, you can you plan this detention. out. You planned it. Look, you slide dog. I mean, look at the joy yeah. taken away from us every single time. A good young player uh, or just a young player. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, Kevin, but every young player that seemed to <laughs> prosper at the moment was fine. then cut down and not able to play. Hopefully, uh, I mean, unfortunately for Trey Young, congratulations on getting engaged, but he is now unfortunately in health and safety protocol and is in jeopardy of missing the game uh, for Christmas. But hopefully RJ is back. Hopefully Obi is back by then. Enough time should have elapsed between the... Isn't it possible they could make it back on like Tuesday? It is. If you have two two negative tests in 24-hour span, you could do it. But the hope, I guess, if that doesn't happen is that it runs through their system and then they're done with it by the time Christmas rolls around. But again, like if, if it's not going to be COVID again. Like I, I, we could talk about Randall we could talk about Fournier. I, I just, I feel like with Fournier, he, he redeemed himself so, a little bit. That's the thing. Like I can't say he was the worst player this week because what the end goal for Fournier is great offense with even passable to good defense and an okay performance for me is like he was good on offense and wasn't a major liability on defense. I fully recognize that Fournier doesn't really fit here long-term. And I do just want to say, I know the report about Eric Gordon came out. It's very easy for us to forget because things just happen in real time. And we're prisoners of the moment. A year ago, this time, Eric Gordon was Evan Fournier. Like the idea of, the idea of Evan Fournier's yeah. contracting, like, I can't believe it's it's two years that are guaranteed after this and then non-guaranteed after that. Eric Gordon was three years guaranteed and then a non-guarantee. But, but he year. looked like a, he looked like he couldn't play basketball anymore. He looked old. He looked yes. he couldn't shoot. And it was, it was it was a few straight seasons of him not being able to shoot. Evan Fournier, I just looked it up before we came on. Evan Fournier's effective field goal percentage this season is above his career mark. It's below where it was the last two years. He was around 56 the last two years. He's a little bit above 53. But it's like, it's not, like the guy has a, like fallen off the face of a cliff in terms of the things that he's like most known for. It's the all the little things. And mm-hmm. they add up. And that's why, again, I want to keep seeing what he, RJ, and Randall look like together because it's trending positively without Kemba Walker. And if you're not going to do that, then at least try to isolate uh Fournier and Randall in some capacity try to get those numbers up. It, to me, selling low right now doesn't really make any uh, sense. But but it's the sort of thing where if the right opportunity presented itself, then we could talk about it. Then in the meantime, uh, 
I can't give him detention because oh. as bad as he was to start the week, he he didn't finish that far below. And again, I mean, we could talk about Randall. Please we don't. Could do it. We, we talked but, about him enough. So I'll just name Randall and and say refer back to the beginning of our conversation. That's a that's a good good one. Um, okay, uh, now for my, I would call it my favorite part of the pod, except it's it's also depressing. So let's just to recap. I have won four in a row in our predictions um, picks. And the first week I won when I was 0-4, because uh, we're now tied at four, four wins apiece. The first, I I don't remember exactly what happened that week, but I remember feeling like I was very lucky to win it and like I didn't deserve to win it. And since then, I, I'm on this nice little streak, which leads me to believe that if it is a real advantage to be the person who gets to pick first, that is, that is, that, that is the conclusion that I have drawn. It's like going first in tic-tac-toe. Um, you could lose, but not likely. Um, this week, all of this comes with a caveat. For now, hopefully nothing gets canceled. Tuesday night. Oh, wow. Three home games. I forgot this was three home games. Tuesday night at home against the Pistons, who are uh, the worst team in basketball. Um, so there's a Thursday loss night. right there. What's that? There's a loss right there. <laughs> um, this is a tough week. The um, then Thursday against the Wizards at home. The Wizards um, again. I don't know their exact updated net rating over the last since they got off to a hot start. They're uh, since I think that what were they after their first like fifteen games? They were among the top teams in the East, and then since then it's kind of fallen off a cliff. So they're not good. Um, and then on Christmas Day, the Hawks maybe with with or without um, Trey Young. We don't know. They've been playing poorly as well. Um, also not defending. Uh, trying to think, what do you want me to do? I think you want me to take one and two, so you could take two and one and be very happy with two and one. Do I really, this is, this is basically, do I, do I think the season is over? Cause if I pick one and two and I, I say that they're going to lose two of these fucking games, I'm saying the season is over. No, because again, we talked about the 16 games. So there would be 13 others. That would be real. If they solid it, chances, it, but I hear you. I, I understand. I understand they, they are still down players. If they can't beat the fucking Pistons with whoever they have on the roster, then I don't, I don't want to hear about this team anymore. Then, then, then this is going to people will be like, well, and behind the scenes, me and Andrew and Jeremy keep talking about, well, if the season keeps going the way it is, maybe this, this is going to turn into a very different pod, a lot more draft talk. Well, guess what? If they lose the fucking Pistons and then watch they go and win the next two games. Okay. Uh, this is all along with the way of saying, I'm going to take two and one. All right. I'm going to say undefeated. I, I knew you weren't going one and two. So I'm going to say undefeated because I feel like that's a caveat because if one of these games gets postponed and the Knicks go two and zero, I win. I think if, if that happens, I think it has, it, nobody wins. It has to go to the next week. I don't know. I said undefeated, John, you're the former lawyer. There's a loophole. I'm sorry that I've outsmarted you. Um, I'm going to say undefeated in this case, I'll, we'll say three and zero. I'll let Andrew decide this. I think he should be the arbiter of truth in this, in this uh, scenario. It won't matter because the Knicks are going to go three, and zero. but also it's been fun to go back and forth with you because me just slaughtering you was enjoyable, but I wanted to make it more of a competition. So well, I'm, I'm, one could say I purposely blew it for week five, let you win, gave you a nice little <laughs> comeback. Now we go back and forth, tete a tete. It's fun. Um, I will just I'm say also, that. 
I'm also shocked on taking three and zero, but one and two again. I just, I don't know. I just feel like it's that. That's emotionally, I'm not ready if, to take that. If they go one and two, this team will be fourteen and nineteen. Correct? Yeah, yeah. they're twelve and seventeen right now. So yeah, fourteen. Oh, no. They're thirteen and seventeen 13, right 17. now. So yeah, maybe fourteen. So they would be fourteen and nineteen. That is not what you want. Okay. Um, let's get out of here. Jeremy, anything before we go? That's all for me. Okay. Um, and that is all for me too. Um, I don't have anything other than to uh, thank you as always. Uh, thank you to Andrew Claudio. What? Yes. I just want to say, because next time we talk, it'll be after Christmas. So to those who are celebrating, uh, have a wonderful Christmas, John. I hope you and your family have a wonderful holiday as well. And yeah, let's hope the Knicks actually can win. Assuming the game still happens i doubt they'll cancel it but i they're not canceling christmas day um yes i i i'll I'll speak to you guys again before christmas but in the meantime well well, that's on my mind merry christmas uh thank you angel claudio uh best producer in the business Mm -hmm. uh feel better um and uh i think that's all she wrote see you the same time next week giddy up Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.